and welcome to the IBCD Karen Discipleship Podcast. We're here live at Mission Hills in San Marcos for our 2017 Institute. And I'm excited to have with me Brian Borgman, and he's one of our speakers this year and has been for the last uh, several years and written several books on biblical counseling-related topics. And he's a pastor at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. And Brian, it's great to have you with us. It's good to be here. Did I get all that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Brian, one of the things I love about having you uh, at our conferences is just the pastoral presence that you bring as someone who takes the Word of God seriously, takes shepherding seriously, and uh, you were coming to this conference yourself and then also can speak at it as well. And I know you you find these things edifying and helpful. And so that's how I feel about them. So it's, it's great to have like-minded friends. Um, what's been helpful to you about um, biblical counseling and just thinking through one another care in the ways that have been talked about at IBCD and, and other things like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we're always trying to help people. We're trying to point them to Christ. We're trying to bring the Word of God to bear on their lives and to help them see how the Bible really does have the answers and not just an answer book per se, but it is, you know, God's power. And, um, what IBCD has done, and this goes back years, um, is that it puts practical tools on how to help people, you know, in, in into our hands. And uh, I mean, I'm glad we have four or five people from our church here this year. Um, saw a guy from Wyoming this morning. I said, "Hey, I didn't know you were coming." He goes, "Well, you told me to." <laughs> wow. And um and so I I I just think that this is really one of the most uh practical and helpful conferences that there is. Um IBCD itself is just a, a just a treasure trove of resources. Um you know, you can go to the website. There's so, you know, you can just you're dealing with something, you can have people listen, you can listen yourself. And so I, I love what you guys do. And uh, of course, love what, what George and Jim have built into this over the years. And so I personally have profited from it. People in our church have profited from it. We've done levels one and two for Sunday school uh, of the care and discipleship. And so um, I, I just see this as really just sort of a hands-on equipping Type ministry. Thanks so much for your contributions to that content as well. So having you come and speak um, and the way you open the word on these topics. And then I know it's always, it's fun for me as we think about a conference theme and then you and I talk a little bit and what aspects need addressed. And you're always willing to, to tackle something and see what the scriptures have to say about that, especially with the pastoral one another component of it. So that's really helpful. And then your writings, feelings and faith and spiritual warfare, they're, they're, they've just been really helpful in pastoral counseling settings. And so really appreciate uh, having you on, on the team that way as well. So can you tell me a little bit about what you'll be talking about uh, at this year's conference? Well, uh, if you remember rightly, Craig, I tried to bow out of actually doing anything this year. Um, <laughs> But our mutual friend brought a little pressure to bear. <laughs> the uh, the the breakout session is going to be on pastoral lessons on dealing with addictions, and basically when you and I had kind of talked about that as a as a as a workshop, 
I thought, oh, well, that, that's, that'd be great. Well, then I started trying to put it together, put it together yeah. and it was, um, it was really hard hmm. because there's a lot of stuff that you realize, uh, we did that wrong, we did that wrong. Um, and so what I decided to do to kind of help prepare for this is um, three people that had been um, in drug or alcohol addiction that had uh, all three had been under church discipline. All three or two of the three had actually been excommunicated. They ended up being restored, repented and restored to the church. And so I sat down with each of them and just asked them a series of questions, just interviewed them. You know, what, you know, how did you get into it? Uh, all the questions dealing with the sin itself to what did the church do that was helpful? What did the church do that was not helpful? And once I started to kind of put that together and see the way that these answers were sort of gelling, then it became a little more clear as to the, the direction that I would take. Yeah. That's a, a great approach to it. I love that it's based on that real life experience that way. Um, we can blame Jim for how hard it was to do because he's the one who. Uh, so, and then under explain this for me. Last year you had talks. It was last year, right? You're lined up to go. You have brain surgery, and I'm saying, Brian, you don't need to do it. No, I'm going to do it. This year you're trying to get out of it, and uh, boy, I, I just don't understand. But <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Oh man. So, um, what are some of the the common threads? Not to give away your whole workshop, but just as you're saying that, I'm just intrigued of, of just a few things that the church. Can, has done right in your experience and then a few things where you look back and you say oh wow it's good to know this now yeah our church is 24 years old and i i planted the church and it seems that from our very inception we have dealt with people with drug and alcohol problems uh all along uh and so what um, what the talk is going to consist of is me basically talking about, first of all, lessons regarding the offender and the sin, mm -hmm. uh, just sort of common themes. Some of the stuff will be obvious, uh, some of the principles or lessons. Um, uh, it was important, too, that I uh, assess what we did that wasn't helpful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had files and notes and kind of went back over things and thought, man, if we were doing this today, we would not do that. Um, but then there was other stuff uh, that, there was, that was somewhat instinctive, um, trying to get a team of people around a person. Because um, in, in one sense, I want to say that, that drug and alcohol abuse um, are sins like other sins, but we also know there's something unique about these sins as well. There is very consuming. Uh, well, the counseling becomes very consuming. Uh, and just to see the way that in the past, we just sort of instinctively put people around people that were struggling, um, people that had both ex experience, personal experience, people that were grounded, uh, you know, some, so those kinds of things, um, one thing that was has been very important is um, our approach to church discipline, which some people would think that under these circumstances, you know, for instance, we just heard that every addict deals with shame, right? 
and not to downplay any any of that, but um, actually the weight, the gravity of church discipline has been uh, a significant thing. In fact, there's a woman here from our church who was on the brink of excommunication and God used the discipline process to bring her to repentance mm. and and she's here. And so um, just some of those kinds of observations, um, lessons, positives, negatives. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be good. I look forward to, to hearing that. One of the things that you mentioned is just the intensive nature of, of these struggles in particular as we think of substance addiction. Um, and then even just as I think more broadly, my, my life situation has changed in the last year, focusing more now on pastoring and preaching and shepherding, less on IBCD. So that's, that's been a shift that now I'm experiencing this conference, um, thinking through it even more pastorally than before. I was serving as an elder before, but just the weight of shepherding, caring for a flock. There's a sense in which I, I love coming and hearing biblical counseling things, but on the other hand, it it just makes you feel the the weight of the needs in the church and just the the gravitas of how there's always more to do. Uh, how have you processed that as as an experienced pastor of just the weight of shepherding a flock, especially in the midst of these intensive situations where you could always do more in a sense, or it feels like that, or how? What are some things? There, there's something learned? about these sins in particular that really. Um, I want to say you shrink back from because you know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Once um, once things start to be uncovered, you start to realize, okay, here we go again. And you realize that there is going to be lying and deception and that this is going to take this is going to take a lot out of uh, our eldership. It's going to take a lot out of the people that we ask to get involved. And so uh, there, there's a sense in which I really do kind of shrink back from, from this um, emotionally, just, I don't want to do this, but you also then realize that how much is at stake and somebody's out there destroying their life and not just theirs, but a spouse, children, you know, a church body, um, people around them. And so you realize what's at stake and you, you try to be proactive. You try to be, um, uh, assertive, um, maybe even at times aggressive in trying to deal with it because you, this is, this is not something that you can say, Oh, Craig, you had a, a you got outbursts of anger, why don't we get together every other week and we'll kind of work through this or that. You're talking about something that is so consuming that that person basically needs supervision 24 hours a day, if truth be told, right? And, uh, and so thankfully, we have a very good um, group of elders. We have a very loving church, uh, people that are willing to get involved. But it is it is a daunting task. What do you think? Um, 
as, as people in the church, because I, I think of the people who are listening to this podcast, we have some pastors, church leaders, but a lot of people who listen to it just care about other people in the church. They've caught a vision for one another care. And as they dive into other people's lives and people are opening up to them, they're starting to find out there are, you know, things like this. And they're wondering, how can I be of help? As you've looked back at how the church comes alongside and the people in the body are utilized, what are some things that you'd like to encourage them to to do or be aware of even as they think about helping in these really tough situations? I, I think that if you're going to really help people, uh, you know, if you're going to have a congregation that, that really does, in a sense, rally to, to help, uh, you need... You need people that, first of all, understand uh, the insidious nature of, the, of these sins. And because, because lying and deceit are so closely connected with drug or alcohol abuse, um, sometimes well-meaning people can be um, sort of sucked in and, and somewhat deceived into thinking um, that the church is just being harsh with this person who's just really having a hard time or whatever. Um, I just recently shared a, a letter that must be 15 years old now with one of uh, my co-pastors. And um, we had put a man under discipline. The, um, uh, the man himself agreed with the discipline, um, but we got a very stinging rebuke from a guy saying, how in the world can you treat somebody like this? And so, and, and, but he had bought into, they're being harsh with me and so forth. So I think the idea of just being, um, being willing to uh, say, you know what? I don't think you're being truthful right now, okay? Um, but then also being willing to ask the hard questions. One of the things that I think well-meaning church members do that is not helpful is we we speak in these generalities right so how are you doing i'm doing i'm doing pretty good you know let's struggle here or there we need to be specific if we're going to help people you know so tell me what what your struggle actually is and you know and then just kind of realize that um that two beers pr probably means 10 you know, and uh, be willing to push uh, because in a sense, that's how we're going to love people is by speaking the truth to them in love, coming along, of course, in a spirit of gentleness. We don't want to be harsh, but we want to be relentlessly truthful with them. And uh, I think that's hard for some people, um, but other people, you know, God helps them and they can be quite effective at it. Yeah, what you're describing, some of that's been surprising to me pastorally, and then also as we've worked with other situations of IBCD, you're pouring all this effort into a person who's caught in sin and lying and deceiving. And then other people who come alongside to help, all of a sudden they're starting to buy into like the leadership's not doing it right or whatever, and all the energy then it takes to rectify that situation. Uh, it's like, oh, wow, it, you can feel like you're getting it on all fronts. Um, I know I've come to appreciate so much when people in our church, as they as they get close to, they find out about a situation like this, and they they carefully come to the leadership and just say, "Hey, I was talking to so and so. I I'd imagine there's probably more to what I'm hearing. Like just that benefit of the yes. doubt. You know, yeah. I I find that really blesses my heart pastorally. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but sometimes we don't have that opportunity and get to lovingly try and to 
help with that as well. So I think that's helpful for our people to know of, um, there's probably more to the story when it comes to things like this. And, um, the other thing that I'm, I'm wondering as I hear this is, you know, you're talking about strong eldership and a church that cares for people deeply and people within the church who are willing to come alongside and bring the truth in love. And, how do how do we get there? And you know, people may be in churches where they say, "I, I my leadership's trying to do this," um, or we as a church, there are a few people who do. You've been at this church now for twenty four years. I'd imagine it isn't this instant fix of you do this one program or go through level one and we're all doing that. What are some things that the Lord has has allowed your church to to experience to go through, uh, or that you've chosen to do that have helped yeah. build this in? Well, I think I think there's two interrelated things that that have to be in place, and one is you, you have to have a, a culture, a climate where um, helping each other is is part of what's expected. Um, so, part of building that that culture, of course, is preaching and spending time on the see to it brethren that there not be any mon- anyone among you with an evil heart of unbelief that falls away from the living god but encourage one another day after day so, so for me what's been really important in terms of preaching is not only the the biblical admonitions to perseverance but the way that the one another passages fit in with perseverance mm-hmm. so we need each other to persevere in the faith. Um, we are means of grace to each other. And so I think that's one of the ways that that the climate is built. Uh, but then you have to actually put real tools into people's hands. Um, you know, you can't just say that this is what you got to be doing and then let them figure it out on their own in a sense. And you get some people that are going to gravitate towards that and figure it out on their own, but by and large, you're going to need to be equipping. And so, uh, you know, so everything from the smallest things like having a book room that's stocked with, with books that are designed, you know, so good biblical counseling books, for instance, um, seeing it modeled, um, you know, um, hearing it taught, um, and then taking specific opportunities to equip. Uh, so I think the, the climate and then the, the particular equipping actually are two things that come together that help. And, you know, and God has, has blessed us with a congregation that really, uh, that really loves each other. There's really a sense of, of family. And, you know, it's not like, you know, we're a, a, a tiny congregation. We're not a mega church either, but we're not a tiny congregation. So it, it takes a little bit of work mm-hmm. to be involved in people's lives. But I think that having that, in a sense, that biblical uh, undergirding of, look, we're in this together and, uh, and I'm going to help you and you're going to help me. So you are uh, on sabbatical, technically. Right? Technically, it's yeah, true. Technically, uh, preaching <laughs> a lot on sabbatical so far, right? But uh, you you have a project that you're working on. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so before I had uh, brain surgery last year, I was working on uh, a book uh, called The Gift of Preaching, which is basically designed for church members 
to better understand and then better profit from preaching. And so, Lord willing, I'll I'll get that done before the sabbatical is over. And uh, I just I have a burden for um, for people to really be good listeners, good hearers, um, and good doers, you know, of the word. And so I think in a sense, kind of framing people's expectations. This is what God promises to do in preaching. This is how we can prepare to better receive it. I think that kind of thing is, um, is very helpful. So we'll see. So a year ago, you were pretty fresh out of brain surgery when you mm-hmm. were here. How has the year since since that surgery been going for you and being back and coming back into the pastorate? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I probably came back too, too soon. Um, I mean, I was here a month after brain surgery. I still had stitches. Yeah, in, it, yeah and, it looked fresh. <laughs> And so uh, I probably didn't do myself any favors, you know, because I got I went back to preaching. Um, I probably should have taken a little more time off. But God's been incredibly kind um, and my recovery has been very good. And, you know, I mean, I, I love what I do. And so sitting at home and listening, you know, to the sermon on the Internet um, I mean, and the preaching was good while I was gone. All right. So no complaints there. But um, it's just like God wired me to do what I do and I love it. And so it was it was hard to be at home. Yeah. And so but I, God's been really kind in the recovery and I, I feel pretty good. That's great. Well, it's great to have you back with us again this year and with your uh, wounds healed up a little bit more (laughs) than last time. And we're so thankful you love doing what you do and the gift that you are to the church and to this conference. And um, so thanks so much for being with us. And we'll be sure to make your um, message from this conference available on our site and linked to it. And then also some of the works that you've written as well. So thanks so much for taking time to talk with us, Brian. Thanks, Craig. And finally, for our listeners, I just wanted to mention that by the time these episodes are airing, all of the audios from the conference will be available for free on our website, the pre-conference, workshops, everything, and videos from the general sessions as well, all available at ibcd.org. That's ibcd.org.